My Voice is a chance for those who have struggled with addiction, homelessness, depression, and domestic violence to have a candid conversation about their life experience, current situation, and future goals and aspirations. Every episode is conducted anonymously to facilitate a comfortable and safe place for guests to tell their story. My Voice is hosted by Mike Sisson, who works as a case manager at the My House facilities in Wasilla, Alaska. We now join a My Voice conversation already in progress. Yeah, the only time I really actually have breakfast, uh, not the only time, majority is like if I go to the gym, after I get home from the gym while I'm getting ready for work, I always have oatmeal with peanut butter. That's what I always have. The crazy part is that like somebody told me oatmeal is heart healthy. It's good for your heart. Mm -hmm. When I have oatmeal and I come into work and I drink my coffee, it's like my coffee is super powered. Like... I noticed that I have significantly more energy when I have oatmeal versus the days I don't. It's very interesting. I don't know if it's everybody, but it's definitely me. It's probably some vitamins like B12 or something. I'm not sure all of what oatmeal contains, but it's just probably something in there that adds yeah. to that. Yeah. So, plus I just like oatmeal. It's good. <laughs> I'm an oatmeal guy. What's your favorite superhero? So... I'm not really into superheroes, but if I had to choose one, probably Batman. Excellent choice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I uh, well, I love Batman. Okay, what I like about Batman is like, okay, all these other ones, like it's like Spider-Man. He got his powers from like a spider bite from a radioactive spider or something like that. And like Batman, he doesn't have like some superhuman abilities, right? He just has like a bunch of cool gadgets, right? Like, he's a rich guy with a bunch of gadgets. Like, I think that's kind of cool that he just depends on those instead of having, like, I don't know, some crazy thing. Yeah. Good choice. Were you born in Alaska? Is this where you're from? I was. I was born in uh, Palmer. Awesome. And have you ever left Alaska? The only time I left Alaska was in September of 2006, um... Me, my sister, and father, we took a trip to Minnesota to visit some family, and then we rented a car and drove over to Wisconsin and stayed there for, like, a few days. And then I think the whole trip was, like, three weeks, and then we headed back. And I have not been out of state since then or anywhere else out of Alaska. Wow. So born and raised here. Mm -hmm. That is awesome. The thing that I think I'm most interested in starting at is – because uh, I don't even know that I've had this conversation with you. Mm-hmm. What was your life like growing up? Tell me about your home life growing up and things you experienced and um, all of that. So I would say I had a pretty good childhood. Um, you know, we were just general middle class, not super rich, but not like in poverty or anything. Um, I would say I got along with both my parents quite well. You know, sometimes my father would get upset you know he might yell at me for something but it would never go beyond that but no I would say generally like I had a good childhood I would say the the worst part about my childhood was you know when I was 16 and my father passed away um but like other other than that I would say I generally had a very good childhood okay did you have any siblings Yes, I do have a sister named Corny. 
All right. So as the two of you growing up, I'm interested to know how, what, what took place in your life that brought you to my house? Okay. So this is, I'm going to start at the point my father died. Perfect. Because I, I feel like that is where things started shifting, like from good to bad. Um, for a couple of years, it was just kind of like, mm. um, and then like my mother started, drink- we all started drinking. Like I'm not, I, I used to be in the position where I wanted to just blame her for everything, but I realized, well, I could have at that time have tried to get a job at least, you know, within walking distance or something. I could have put in that effort, but I didn't. So I will take responsibility too. Um, it's like, uh, what's what's that saying where it's like each raindrop doesn't want to say they're a part of the flood, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, but eventually, like the house got foreclosed on. And then we, I don't know, we made like some deal or something and she was not able to pay. And I don't know, she wasn't communicating with me or my sister on this. I'm like, what's going on? And eventually one day the cops showed up and they're just like, so you got to leave today. You can come back tomorrow and get... Some other stuff you need. They gave us a few minutes to get, like, personal belongings. Um, the next day, um, so in this house that I grew up my entire life in at that point, I was, and just so for a time range, like, I was 22 at this point. Um, and they, the, whoever had whoever was the owner of the house now. Um, We had a total of one hour to get what we could. Wow. So, I mean, I would say we did a pretty impressive job within that hour, but of course it is impossible to completely move out of a house that you've been living in for over two decades. It's impossible to get all that out in an hour. You know, absolutely. And um, so we moved to my uncle's place and we had lived there for a year. Now, the situation there. So, like, I love my uncle and my aunt, my cousins and stuff. My uncle, though, he just like he can just fly off the handle. Nothing, nothing physical or anything like that. But just um, like he would be a screamer sometimes. And, you know, I'd always feel just uneasy. And the problem was I couldn't just leave. I had nowhere to go. So I'm like, uh, um, and he would always tell me too, like, you know, after he'd like yell at me or something, he's like, I'm just trying to motivate you. But it, it did the opposite. Anytime he'd say, you need to do this, like in the way he would say it, it would make me not want to do it because he was telling me to like, if somebody else told me, then I probably would have had no problem doing it. But it was just because it was him telling me I didn't want to do what he told me at times just because 
It's like, well, even when I do do things you tell me, you're just going to find another thing. Yeah. So the one thing I did do during that year was I did get my GED. I went to uh, nine star. Great job. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. A little bit late, but congratulations. Yeah. (laughs) That's what I said to my uncle, though. I'm like, well, better late than never. No, I mean late on my congratulations. (laughs) Not on you getting it, but on me congratulating you. Okay. Because I I didn't know you at that point. Oh, I got you. Um, But so, like, after, like, a year, I still didn't have a job at this point. Um, But after, like, a year, because... My mother had lost another job she had, um, and she wasn't telling my uncle. Well, he found out, and he was just kind of done with us, so we got kicked out. Um, at this point, we we're living in my mother's truck, and luckily this was only for like two weeks because I don't know who at the Nine Star facility said something like, I wish I could thank them, whoever it was, because I don't know where I would be if they didn't say something. But they, you know, they noticed, okay, these, they're obviously, they don't have a house. Like, and I think it was uh, Matt. Yeah, he came by and he told me, hey, so we could get you into housing today. So now I was presented with a weird, difficult uh, choice because. I could stay and be with my mother and sister, but I'd still be in the truck. Or I could get in the housing. Now, if it was just me, like, in that situation at the time, like, it would have been easy. Just, yeah, throw me in housing. But I was apprehensive about leaving them because I'm like, well, what are they going to do? Right. But I, I thought on it, and I'm like, this might be the only chance I have. Even though it's difficult, I have to do it. I just have to swallow my fear and apprehension and just go for it. Excellent choice. So I did. Um, I don't remember how many days after I got in housing, um, I started working at the boutique. Um, So I guess I'll stop there because you were asking how I got into the housing. Yes. So I'm going to stop there. Perfect. That's excellent because I actually want to, I want to touch on a couple of things for starters. You did not grow up in a household that you had a high amount of trauma or abuse or drug use. You've uh, pretty much said you've grown up in a relatively speaking, I mean, really like, what do you, what is normal? But mm-hmm. for, for just the lack of a better term, you, you had a normal upbringing up until the age of 16. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't know. It was kind of like, in some ways I kind of think of my family at times, like uh, growing up, like the Simpsons, you know, like in that <laughs> way, you know, where it's like, they have a good relationship. Sometimes it can be a little dysfunctional, but like nothing bad, bad. You know what I mean? Yeah. And the reason I wanted to highlight on that is because I think there's a common misconception that amongst people who end up homeless, that, that there is absolutely and always a lot of trauma present in the home or some sort of failure on somebody's part that led to this homelessness in like one decision or like a, a period of time of, of being treated poorly. And maybe the young person had to flee 
but this is not your story. Yeah. Yeah, there's that there's that general stereotype where like if you're like in this situation like you must have had a really really dark past or like you've done something pretty bad to be in this situation like and like you were saying like it must have been a really bad childhood but no just different things can happen it's like you know it's like my father dying you know uh my mother fell into depression. Like, we all did, you know? Yeah. Like, so that was the other thing. So I don't want to make light of you losing your father because that is a big deal. But up until that point, generally speaking, you hadn't experienced any, like, super, ad, like, strong adversity or, or big traumas, and then that hit you. No. The only thing is, like, I wasn't able to spend as much time with my father as I wish I could have because he had – a lot of health problems. He had like hepatitis C, he was diabetic, um, whatever fibromyalgia is, you know, mm -hmm. just a lot of stuff. I remember, I remember um, as a kid, he would uh, have me help him like gather his medications and there'd be like 20 pills and these were all like prescribed, I'm like what? And I, I still remember like though, he would just all at once, I'm like you're crazy. That's a, that's experience but, there. Yeah, but yeah, just to answer your question, yeah, up up until 16, I would say I had a good childhood. So now now we're at the point where you're 16 and you lose your father. Yes. Now, from what I have been, I, I've, I've got some very close friends who lost their father right around the same time. The way they described it to me was almost like their life kind of hit the pause button for a period of time and they felt lost. Yeah, I, I kind of get that. So when my father died, I didn't cry a single time because honestly, I was still trying to just wrap my head. I'm like, this just happened. Like it, your, your world just flipped around. It's like, I, I, I can't even grasp on this situation enough to even get like sad. I'm just like, I remember I just felt really like numb, like just like, what now? Where? What do I even do at this point? You know what I mean? Yeah. So I see, I can understand what they mean by hitting the pause button. So. Yeah. So would you say it's accurate to to say that you felt kind of stuck and and lost when that happened? Yeah, I would say so. It's just, like I said, it's, you don't really know where to go from there or how you should continue your life. Cause like you want to mourn, but you don't want it to completely take over you and you want to try to go on with life, but you don't want it to be like, you don't care that he died. And so you're just like, how do I go about this? You know, like. Yeah, and I'd imagine that your sister and your mom and you, the three of you, were all having your own experience in the same situation. And um, like you said, you all got hit with depression, and rightfully so. You lose anybody that you're close to, um, father, uh, sister, brother. That is a big deal in, in life. Yeah. Um, and so what you said happened next is that you guys all kind of started drinking. Yeah, I don't think it started until, like, a few 
that's after like mm-hmm. um but yeah it like you know it of course it just started out like you know lightly and then it just eventually just it got real bad like you know it's like I was almost drinking like every day, you know. It was it was like the ritual, you know. Like okay, like at this time, like I drink this, you know, and it just yeah. Mm-hmm. And do you can you recall or to like the best of your ability, did you start drinking alcohol like intentionally to try to help with the process, or? Were you sort of just kind of like, you know, well, hey, I'm, you know, I don't know what to do, so I'm just going to do this. I think it started out as here's like this new thing to try because I didn't do like any other drugs. So it's like, okay, like here's something. This is interesting. This is something that intoxicates you. Like it, it's an interesting new experience. Um, And then I would say like when the stuff with like, the house and all that, then I would say I made like the shift over to where I was using it to just forget for the most part of what's going on. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, Cause it, it, like drinking is one of those, it's, it's like buying a ticket to forget about the world for one day. And then you have to keep doing it over and over and over. And you're stuck in this loop where now just to even like function normally or at least somewhat normally, like you have to reach for that bottle, you know? Mm -hmm. Now, how many years would you say, or, or what time span would you say you were drinking to that level where it was like, this is my daily ritual. (sighs) I just needed to get by. I would say like when I was really bad, it was probably like, year and a half or something of that okay know? um i can't remember the exact time because it, it's one of those you know where where do you draw that line of just normal light drinking to you know because it was a gradual yes. increase so i can't like say oh it was this week yeah like so that's a hard question to answer because it's one of those you're, you're not you don't go from like not drinking to suddenly you're full-blown you know alcoholic it is a gradual process. And then like by the time you realize how bad you've gotten, you're already deep down the hole. Okay. At what point did you realize you needed to quit? Were you still in the house? Were you in the truck by that point? Uh, What point did you realize you needed to? And then also, how did you go about quitting? Did you just stop? Did you wean off of it? Did you go through treatment? I don't know that part of your story. I would say I was actually, I was still at my uncle's house because I'm just like, I need to at least just try to keep myself mentally straight. And like, also if my uncle like saw me drink, that would have been really, really bad. By the time I was like in the truck, I definitely had stopped completely because I'm just like, I I can't, this is, I've hit rock bottom. And the thing was like, since I was sober at that point, like you realize when you're sober, you realize just how bad of a situation you're in. If you're like drunk, like, you know, you know, you're in a bad situation, but not like you're not, 
feeling the panic or like the worry over it. It's hard to explain. Um, but no, at that point I'm like, yeah, like I need, I need to do something like, and I'm like, I don't, I know if I drink, I'm just going to still be here. And then the next day I'm just going to be hung over and still in the same situation. So it was just kind of a, I have to stop for my survival to get myself out of this situation. Gotcha. Okay. So a little bit of a recap, born and raised in Alaska, um, generally good life up into 16, lose your father, um, you, your mom and your sister just kind of spiral into depression slowly um, and gradually to the point where you are out of your house into your uncle's house. That's not a great situation for you to the point where he asked you guys to leave, ended up in your truck. You said you were a couple weeks in the truck, right? Yeah, it was it was just a couple of weeks, luckily, um, because um, at that time we were still going to Nine Star for uh, my mm-hmm. sister, and yeah, and luckily, you know, like I said, with whoever there said something, and so luckily I wasn't in that situation for long. Okay, so a couple weeks, Matt. Uh, reaches out to you, gets you into housing. How long until your mom and your sister got somewhere, landed somewhere? You know, I think it was only uh, a couple, maybe two or three weeks from that point. Um, wow. Because I don't remember the exact time frame, but no, I remember uh, I had came back to the house and um, the guy that was the house lead then, he's like, hey, so... I heard that your mother and sister are in this housing, which that was the biggest relief for me. I'm like, okay, they're we're now all in housing. Sure, we're separated, but they have a warm bed to sleep in. I have a warm bed to sleep in. That's like, amazing. So we at least have a starting point now. That's amazing. So now you're in housing, and once you got into housing – Tell me about what that process looked like. And before we go into that, I would like you to tell me before we go into that process, I'd like you to tell me what is your life like currently? Currently? I'd say pretty good. Like with my job recently got a pay raise like due to inflation stuff. So like I'm making a lot more than when I started. Um, I'm full time now. Where are you staying? Me, my mother... Uh, my sister and this one girl that was in their program, we all live together in an apartment now. So we're all back together. So we were able to get, we were able to meet that goal. Things are going good. My mother has like a full-time job in the program that she was a part of. My sister has a job. We all have jobs. Um, so definitely, definitely a lot better than a couple of years ago. That's amazing. All right, now let's rewind back to you got into housing. You found out your mom and your sister were in housing. Huge relief. Now tell me about the process from that point into current. How did that turn out? What did you experience? What did you do? All of it. Go for it. So let's see. I was working at the boutique for like six months until I met the uh, 
the amount that I could make. Uh, I think it was five thousand. I don't know if that's changed through the internship. Yes, yep. through the training. Which by the time that was coming up, I was already hired at my new job. So that like it was a smooth transition. Nice. Which that was around the time that uh, COVID was starting. I remember I had worked like a week at my work before I had to start like wearing a mask and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then let's see. So that was part time at some point during, I think that time, or maybe a little after I started working at my new job. Um, my mother was made the house leader of her house. Like during that time, my sister got her job and then like, I'd say like six months ago, we started the process of looking for an apartment. We finally found one. And then at this point, my mother, you know, was working full time for the program. Then I got full time just after moving into the new place. As far as like, I guess my experience within the program, really excellent. The fact that I was able to get my first job through this program and then... I was given an offer by you guys to go to the NIT trade school for an admin assistant program, which I took that and you guys completely paid for it, which I'm very thankful for. And so I graduated from that program. And then after I was in need of a car, which through NIT as well, like through you guys, I got my license. And then not too long after, uh, Michelle gave me one of the cars they had in the lot there, which I'm still driving that. It's That's amazing. I've had to make some repairs to it here and there, but it's still going strong. It it refuses to die. Wow. <laughs> but um Yeah, and so and then a few times I had moved to different houses. There was me and Another guy that was in my program, uh, since we're doing good, we are moved into another house for like, okay, here's for people that are doing well. They're doing what they're supposed to do. So this is kind of a just a step up, like a little bit of a loosening of the rules. You know, we've shown that we can be trusted. And so I was there for, say, like three months or something. And... The house leader at the house that I was at before had left. So Justin offered me the house leader position. So I took that and saw his house leader until the point that we moved out. This is right around the time where I started working here and I started getting to know you. Um, and not at the time I knew none of this about you because, you know, I hit the ground running here. Like (laughs) I usually do when I start a new job. Um, and what I think was fascinating for me is that I didn't know where you came from, how you got to us until after you moved into your new apartment, which you're sharing with your mom and your sister, like you said. Um, so you had, very little on my background. Correct. I just really? knew who you were in the moment. 
And when I met you, at the time I met you, you were just hitting home runs. You were following the rules. You were showing up to work. You were doing everything that was required of you as part of this program. And it was beautiful to me because Michelle, from the time I started, was always saying that same phrase, like, we're a hand up, not a hand out. We're a hand up, not a hand out. I like that, yeah. And you, at that time, were my my visible proof of that because you were working the program the way it's supposed to be worked, getting elevated through it, mm-hmm. and eventually becoming to the place where you were at independent housing, a full-time job. Um, you moved up in your job position. You took advantage of everything that was thrown at you. Um, and opportunities that were given to you here all the way to the point where now here you are in your current present life, not sleeping in a truck, not drinking every day in a depression, but the complete opposite side of the spectrum, not just you, mm-hmm. but your mom and your sister, uh, you know, obviously nobody can go back in time and say, if you hadn't made that decision, then you'd still be there. Um, but I think that it's profound that not long after you took that shot and you were scared to, and you did it anyway, Oh yeah, um, that your mom and your sister landed into a program and all three of you ended up becoming to this place where you're at now. I do have one question for you. Yeah, go for it. Um, we got a lot of, of things from you now, you you completely, I mean, through through the time I'd known you, you've always been adamant about expressing your gratitude and your thankfulness the whole time you've been here, which to me uh, is important to note because there are people who utilize programs, in my experience, different places I've worked over my life, not here, um, not one specific place, but just generally speaking, people can become entitled at a certain point after receiving handouts. Mm -hmm. I don't see that since I've been working here because what I truly see is the people doing what they're supposed to and following the rules and taking the steps and doing the work are the one who get the opportunities, which is a hand up versus the person who just wanted a warm bed, wants to do nothing else. They're not put on the list for these opportunities because of our mission statement. Mm Mm-hmm. They have to put in the work. They have to do their yeah. part, it's which like, is what you did. Yeah, it's like, yeah, I wanted a warm bed, of course, but I also knew, okay, I'm going to have to put some effort in on my part to keep that warm bed, you know. I yes. can't just sit and do nothing. And you did so well that you were made a house lead, which is not a role that we give out lightly. Mm-hmm. We are very selective over who we choose to be the house lead. Um my question for you, and this will just kind of land the plane for us. Um, before I do, again, just a recap. In a truck, homeless, with your mom and your sister, no job, nothing, no resources. Mm-hmm. You had your GED, and, and your sister was working with Nine Star. You went from there, utilizing our program, to now working full-time with your own vehicle, a driver's license, a full-time job, mm-hmm. and... Uh, a matter of how long would you say from the truck to now? So I got out of the, let's see. I got into the program in September of 2019. And then, yeah, I do remember the dates for these. And then like a few days later, I think it might've been like the first of October or something. I don't remember, but like that's when I started working at the boutique. And then uh, March 20th, 
of 2020 is when I started working at my new job. And so, which, at, like, a few days ago or, like, a week ago or whatever, I reached the two-year mark there, so. Wow. So, basically, in the span of two years, you've, you've, you've been able to accomplish all this. Yeah. My final question for you is, out of all the time you spent here with us in this program, what was the part or the thing or the one that sticks out to you the most that was the most impactful moment that resonates with you when you think my house? Ooh, the most impactful, like just of my experiences? Yes. Let me think. There's no wrong answer. I'm, I'm almost going to say the very first day because, you know, I, I came from that situation where I was in my uncle's place, and I remember, um, like, just being treated like a person, like a human being. Um, and, it, you know, it, it felt kind of weird at first. Like, it, for once, it wasn't somebody being like, you know, you're a piece of trash. So that was, that really impacted me. And I remember um, the first day um, in the housing when uh, Justin was showing me around the house, one of the rooms was a, a little messy. It needed cleaning. And I forget what he said, but he's like, hey, you guys really need to clean this up. And, and he's like, yeah, I can, be, I can be a little mean. I'm like, and I almost laughed. Like, <laughs> I think he might have said something else, but something along those lines. And I'm like, that's what you consider mean? <laughs> so I was very weirded out by that. But, yeah, I would just say because from that day, I remember because uh, I came in, um, I talked to Jim, and, like, he got me a cup of coffee and stuff. You know, he was able to really calm me down, um, and he helped out a lot with that. So, honestly, I would say, like, that first day was probably the most impactful because it just, it set my feelings going forward for the entire program. Like, okay, like these guys are actually treating me with respect. Like they're willing to help out, you know? So I would say the first day. Wow. I don't even know if I need to add to that, but I mean, I just can't get over how every time someone comes in this podcast and I ask them the most impactful thing that happened to them or they experienced mm -hmm. that resonates with them. Every single time what a person picks is how this program or a person in this program made them feel. Mm -hmm. That blows my mind. I don't know if, I, I mean, and it's not planned. Like we don't, this isn't coached. Like it just blows my mind. So I, I don't even, I don't even know what else to say <laughs> because I'm just, I'm blown away. I'm, I'm always ready for any answer and it just keeps being, I felt valued or I felt like a person or yeah. I felt respected, man. And that, that's very important when it comes to motivation because like, if you feel that you have, the proper support group and um, then you start actually feeling like, okay, well I can actually try this. I can do this. I can do that. Um, you know, it's like every, every little thing would like 
motivate me more. It's like when I got my car, I'm like, wow, I didn't think I'd actually get to this point. <laughs> like, let's see, let's see what we can do next, you know? 